Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, D. Yeah? Did I tell you that the Ben Jarofsky Show is sponsored by Rattleback Records? No. Well, it is. Rattleback Records at 5405 North Clark Street is Andersonville's full-service record store. Hey, D. Did I tell you it was voted one of Chicago's best record stores in the 2019 Chicago Reader Poll? No. Well, it was. Wow. Rattleback Records, 5405 North Clark Street. Used and new LPs and 45s. They got CDs, DVDs, books, gifts, and much more. For more information, contact them at rattlebackrecords.com. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. All right, everybody, how's it going? Let's get this going here. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, February 28th. It's just moments away. But before we do this, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, February 28th is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J hit us with that song of the day. Well, Bob. you know, it just popped in my mind because I saw Bob walking through down the hall. He goes, how you doing today, Bandana Bob? Bandana Bob. And I go, how can I complain? I'm living in the USA. And he goes, Steve Miller. I go, my man, he knows his 70s music. So here we go, D, this is for you and all the downstate people in Alton yeah. who love Steve Miller. Do, 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 living in the USA, cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers, what was that? There's a line in the song that says cheeseburgers trust me <laughs> good times <laughs> all right i um kind of trying to get this out of the there's music going on there yeah gotta... i don't have my headphones on yeah come on ben. get good, your game game good on. lord let's get those headphones on my goodness please oh yeah these are headphones are off live stream chat weigh in how's it going all right your ben Jarofsky show with new <laughs> intro music starts now It is Friday, February 28th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein, and it's The Ben Jarofsky Show debut of Monica Gordon and Zach Kowski. And now your host, the meanest air piano player on the planet, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Give the Devil His Due Friday. And here's why. Mayor Rahm was in the studio. No, not that devil. Talking about a different devil, okay? Although we may do some romp clips a little while later, don't you think, D? Can we resist doing romp clips as Rom articulates his view of where the Democratic Party should go? Take a chill pill, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold on, Rom. Let me take that chill pill. Mm. 
Dee, have I ever told you how much I love the water here at the Chicago Sun-Times? It you is You know, delicious. every day, in okay. fact. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> the devil whose due I am giving is one President Trump. That's Donald John Trump. Yes, yes, yes. You know, folks, he's sort of right. I mean, he sort of kind of maybe has a little bit of a kernel of truth or makes a pretty almost accurate point regarding the coronavirus. Not that he's handled this medical crisis well. God knows he's been a wretched, he's done a wretched job uh, as the president, part of being the president. And that's the part where as the symbolic leader of the United States of America, you bring all the people of the country, those people who live in states that voted for you, those people who lived in states that didn't vote for you, those people who support you, those people who don't support you, you bring them all together and show them that you're their leader and that you understand the common interest they all have. Nope, nope, that is not Donald Trump style. He's more of the tribal warfare kind of guy. And, uh, he won by losing the popular vote, thanks to our electoral college system. His strategists tell him he could lose the popular vote even more this time and still win, maybe even win a few more states. So he's got no particular reason, politically speaking, to change his style. All right, let's get to specifics. We got a scary outbreak of the coronavirus, an illness uh, that we know very little about, relatively little about. It's causing massive quarantines in China to contain the virus. Uh, as a result, the stock market has fallen. That's just the basics that you need to know that we all know from hearing the news, okay? So the stock market has declined. Trump's reaction, blame everything on Democrats and the news media for the falling markets. His point is that the Democrats see declining stock market, the declining stock market, as an opportunity to undercut his reelection bid by claiming that the economy isn't as strong as he says it is. Now, here's where there's a kernel of truth to all this. The fact is, the economy has been Donald Trump's strong suit. I know, I know, in Lefty Land on the Ben Jarofsky show, we're, we're critical of how he's handled the economy, and we point out the inequities of it. We point out that not all people have benefited the same amount, but the reality is, in the world that exists outside the bubble of Lefty Land, that's considered Donald Trump's strong suit. And the reality is, in the world outside the bubble known as Lefty Land, if the stock market declines, that could bode well for a Democratic candidate who says Donald Trump's not being the master of the economy that Donald Trump is claiming himself to be. God help any voter that believes anything that Donald Trump says. So there is a kernel of truth to this. I can bet you right now that there are Democratic strategists from each and every camp of candidates running in the Democratic primary who are watching this declining stock market in the hopes that it could help their candidate if their candidate is the nominee. Guarantee you that, D. Now, here's the thing. They don't say it publicly. They keep it to themselves. They talk about it to themselves, or maybe off the record, you know, famous off the record calls to reporters. Well, this could bode well for us. Don't tell anybody I told you this, but it's all the market. Or if they go on a TV show, you know, like uh, George Stephanopoulos Today, or whatever that show is on the weekend. This week oh, yeah. with George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> 
But uh, you know, critics say that a declining economy could help the Democrats. You know, you, you, know, you dump it on some critic. But actually, so people are talking about that. But here's the thing. You're not supposed to say it publicly if you're the president of the United States. When you're the president of the United States, you're not just the president of the Republicans. You're the president of the for Democrats and Republicans, for blue and red, for all parts of the country, whether they voted for you or not. This president is the worst president of my lifetime. He's absolutely incapable of playing the symbolic role of president of the United States. But having said that, I must concede. The man has a point. We got a great show today, everybody. Bada boom, bada bing. <laughs> Ramana Hussein is in it. She is all fired up, man. She's been waiting all week long. We waiting to have Ramana Hussein come in. No bada way. boom, bada bing. Where'd I get that? I'm wondering the same thing. Isn't that from um, The Sopranos? I'm looking at you. Sure, it's from The Sopranos. Bada yeah. boom, bada bing. Anyway, Ramana Hussein will be here. Cheeseburgers. Oh, that's Steve Miller Band. Uh, we'll be talking about Trump's visit to India, man. She's been waiting all week uh, to weigh in on that and other issues of the day. Uh, Ramana Hussein. Monica Gordon will be here. She's running for uh, state senate in the 40th district, south suburbs. Zach Kowski will be here from the United Food and Commercial Workers. I have a Zach wait. Attack. <laughs> I've been waiting to have Zach in for a long time. They're organizing uh, cannabis workers, D. I don't call it reefer anymore. Got to call it cannabis. Okay, D? Stop calling it reefer. All right? They're organizing reefer workers. Finally, this is great. If if this is a coming industry, I say organize the workers. I welcome unions everywhere. I'm so happy, by the way, the Chicago Tribune. I'm in solidarity with all those journalists at the Chicago Tribune. They are really... Uh, it's like an existential crisis there with this new management team that they have in this hedge fund that's taking control of the Tribune. So, like, I'm very pro-union, and so I would say if the if the uh, cannabis industry, not the reefer industry, is growing, uh, let's make sure that the workers uh, have a decent wage. So, anyway, plenty of political talk, labor talk, union talk, all kinds of talk. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor, with the news. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Not a doctor. All right. Uh, let's go to the live stream chat real quick. Our good friend Benjamin weighed in. Bada Bing is the name of the strip club in The Sopranos. That is correct. Thank you. I knew, it. I knew it was from The Sopranos. Bada Bing, the strip club. D, send that guy something. Got a pizza? <laughs> yeah, send him a pizza. Send him a bagel. <laughs> Send All him right. one of Rom's books. Did Rom leave one of his books? Uh, no, I didn't. No, no. Rom did not leave any of his books. Rom Emanuel was just in the studio uh, with the Franz Spielman show. Did he try to sell you one of his books? No, I was waiting for it. <laughs> okay. I run the board for the Franz Spielman show. Yeah. It was awkward. Yeah. No, it's not that bad. All right, everybody. Uh, by the way, uh, a lot of people on the live stream chat are wondering, so I'm assuming uh, people downloading are wondering what? New music coming, all yes. right? Tuesday. I got it. That's my goal this weekend is to find some. I like a, that good, song. You a play. good intro song. Yeah, it's a little too chill for all what right. we do around okay. here. You know what yeah. I mean? And I like it. Okay. All right. Whatever. I leave that in your hands. <laughs> yeah, leave it to me. I'll take care of that. All right. So, everybody wondering, new music coming up uh, Tuesday, all right? I, that copyright thing just kind of caught me off guard. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> the lawyers came in. <laughs> I've been on the ropes since Thursday, all right? Cease and desist right now. We had a lot of fun, fun with that yesterday. By the way, did, uh, you know, anybody wants to send in some music that they, you know, 
they're willing to yeah. allow us to play, at ben, we welcome uh, it. BennyJShow at gmail.com. Send mm-hmm. us uh, whatever you got. And no, Benjamin, we're not sending you a pizza bagel. All right. <laughs> For the fourth and final time this week, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois. Columbus Day, out! Oh. But first, all right, <laughs> we got to talk about our Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. All right. Our Friday plans for the governor includes a visit to where else? All together, everybody. The Thompson Center. Okay. Is he signing something? He's at the Thompson Center to discuss the state's response to the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Then he'll be hanging in Rockford, Illinois, to talk capital projects for the area. Ben Jarofsky, do uh, any capital projects come to mind for the city of Rockford? Yeah, they got to fix their infrastructure, just in general. Pave streets, uh, fix bridges, viaducts, basics, just the essentials of getting from point A to point B uh, in Rockford. So, yes, that's the basics. I say take care of the basics. Oh, and we can't forget about uh, Project Make uh, Latissa Wallace mayor. Oh. <laughs> Our good friend Latissa Wallace uh, is no longer the state rep, by the way, D. You know I know, that, I know. Is she running for mayor? I'm always the last no, to know. No, she's not. I'm just, just saying. made that up. She's our friend and we like her. You know yeah. what I mean? Mayor Wallace. Thanks to the Chicago Sun-Times and Lauren Fitzpatrick, we have learned that since taking office, Governor Pritzker has received 130 gifts oh. since taking office. And you know, since no one covers the gubernatorial gift beat anymore, <laughs> some of you may be curious if that's a lot. Well, it's quite a bit. In comparison, thank God ex-Governor Bruce Rauner logged 10 gifts in the first year of office. Yay for our teachers! <laughs> Yay for our teachers! Wait a minute. Okay, so you have... Rauner got 10, and how many did JB get? 131, looks wow. like. Yeah, People yeah. really like JB. They're really trying to curry his favor. One well, or 130, other. I'm sorry. All right, get it right, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Record show Rauner received right. chocolates that December. Eight books, including one titled... Don't sell yourself short and a painting. Okay. What was the painting of? I uh, didn't say what the painting. I never heard of Don't Sell Yourself Short. I was up late last night reading Norwegian Wood, an excellent novel. Did anybody give him Norwegian Wood? I don't know. That You can take that statement a million ways, but I'm just going to leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> During his six years as governor, Pat Quinn oh. racked in 1,294 gifts. Wow. Whoa. 1,200. Wait a minute. So they only calculated the number of gifts uh, Rauner got that first year. Just try to understand this, right? Yeah. But they calculated the number of gifts Pat Quinn got for all. What was it? How many years was Pat Quinn in office for? Six. Six years. Six years. Yeah, six years. yeah, that's right. Six years. Okay, just just trying to do it. So how many? Do, I'm writing it out to see. Uh, 1,294 of the six years as governor oh, for Pat man, Quinn. People love Pat man, Quinn. He said he received tchotchkes and all kinds of things. And the governor before him, well, not sure how many gifts Rob <laughs> Lugovich got. He just but, got a huge gift yeah. from one Donnie Trump. His recent <laughs> post-gubernatorial gift trumps them all. It's been a long time since I shave with a normal razor and uh it takes a little practice i'm sorry about that i gotta keep dabbing the so i have to apologize for his tardiness he couldn't find where i put his socks this morning (laughs) oh i love that (laughs) you know what uh it was somebody put it was mark brown who wrote a great column uh, marky b marky no or, or it may have been um uh, Rich, I can't remember which columnist pointed out that uh, Blagojevich was notorious for being late as governor. And uh, so it's no different. You know, it's like, you got people waiting? Let's make them wait. And so uh, he's gushing blood from having cut himself. I've done that, by the way, D. I've yeah. cut myself. I know what he's, you know, you take the napkin and I the napkin's all red. And I've been there. So I'm with you, Blago. I understand. 
Okay. Now, gifts to Governor Pritzker came from ordinary citizens as well as dignitaries, companies, and organizations that he visited. Wait, hold on. Time out. I forgot to write it down. Did did, did you have a number of gifts to Blago? No, I didn't. They didn't. They didn't put have all that. that no, list. no, they didn't have any of that. All right. uh, Zero <laughs> for Blago, except for Big Daddy gift from Trump. Got it. Items include six hats, a smattering of scarves, fourteen shirts. Yeah, billionaire needs more clothes, <laughs> and fifty-four books, all valued at twenty-five thousand two hundred thirty dollars. Wait. The books were all valued at twenty five thousand. All together, oh, every hats, day. scarves, Man, shirts, fifty four books, hats, all of twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, and of course, JB Pritzker was gifted liquor. <laughs> I think was that part of the twenty five thousand dollars? I don't know, but a nine hundred fifty dollar bottle of Habini Japanese whiskey. And $450 worth of tequila were on the Ooh. list. You know, i I'm, I'm got to be honest, folks. I don't believe in my entire lifetime, and I've lived a long lifetime, have I spent $25,000 on all the clothes. If you added up every nickel I spent on clothes, of course, people say, yeah, I could just look at you and see that. I am not <laughs> as well-dressed as JB. JB looks pretty good most of the time, doesn't he? And so does uh, blah, 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 Blagojevich. He looks pretty good, too. But $25,000, did you just think about that? $25,000 worth of expenditures. That just blows my mind, man. Man, Bloomberg Bloomberg spent more of that in five minutes on commercials yesterday. According to Pritzker spokeswoman Jordan Abadea, the governor did not keep any of the gifts. What do you do with them? Abadea said, quote, we're in the process of identifying the charities that could use the variety of gifts that have been given to the governor. Oh, and added, besides, he has like 20 bottles of that Japanese whiskey already. <laughs> give the Ben Droski show $25,000. We'll take it. Now, if you're listening right now and you would like to give a billionaire a gift, send it over uh, to the Capitol building. Or if you live in the city for faster delivery, mm. just drop it off at the Thompson Center. He'll probably pick it up in like 20 minutes. He's filthy rich. He loves the Thompson Center, everybody. But hey. Let's not get it twisted, okay? Being governor is tough. And maybe he opened up a bottle of whiskey after this went down. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Mitchell Armantrout. Mm. Governor J.B. Pritzker on Thursday forced out three, oh, yeah, count of three, yep. members mm -hmm. of the Illinois Racing Board for allegedly making illegal political contributions, leaving the state's horse racing regulatory agency in flux as the struggling industry jockeys to get back on track with help from a massive gambling expansion. The Corrupt resignations of Racing Board Chairman Jeffrey Brincat and Commissioners Edgar Ramirez and Gregory Sronce, S-R-O-N-C-E. Don't look at me. Sronce? Why are you looking at me? Sronce. <laughs> We're going Make him French. We're going Gregory Sronce. Because, like, who could correct you? You know what I mean? <laughs> who knows? There's nobody out there that knows the, the correct pronunciation yeah, of this guy. And there's thing. no editor for the Ben Jarofsky show, all right? <laughs> I don't believe there's anybody in the editorial desk here at the Sun-Times who know the correct pronunciations. Let's... Let's 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 ask Romana when she comes in. All right. Don't tell her we're going to ask her. So Jeffrey Brincat, Edgar Ramirez and Gregory Sronce were the result of apparent violations <laughs> of a new uh, or in violations of a new provision, including in the gaming package signed into law by Pritzker last summer, which bars board members from giving money to politicians. Anything you'd like to yes, say? Yes, I would like to say. I read this article. I loved it. First of all, I love the little joke. Uh, the racing, the struggling industry jockeys to get back on track. <laughs> get it? Jockeys. Tell you what, they got a Where million of them. Where would we be without you, man? <laughs> the Chicago Sun-Times, man. They got a million of them. But uh, yeah, so the rules were set that you're not supposed to give donations uh, if you're on the racing board to politicians. What I found interesting was the politicians. I read this story, D. 
read the story when I woke up this morning. Okay, got up really early today, by the way. Just want you to know that. I was reading Murakami, and then I started reading uh, the. Uh, Good yeah, for you. Yeah, Wake up early. I got up six thirty. <laughs> of course, I went back to bed. We're after also a while. proud. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, I was reading the story. Like, okay, Brincat. Chairman Jeffrey Brinkhead felt compelled to give $1,000 to the campaign of State Senator Tony Minos. Why? What? Why? That's the question. Why? Of all the state senators, Tony Minos from the southwest side of Chicago, you know, uh, what, like, what was it about Tony Minos that you liked? And he doesn't really need it. He's like annihilated everybody who's run against him forever. Why, why would you give him $1,000? Like, he, A, he doesn't need it. What are you trying to get out of it? What do you, and what has he done? I mean, you know, he's he's just a run-of-the-mill Madigan Daily Dem from the Southwest Side. He seems nice. Former though. HDO guy. He I seems mean, like a nice guy, though, right? He deserves oh, it. Oh, let's just give him $1,000 yeah. for being a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, your good friend, Chauchet, uh, <laughs> a Springfield attorney, was appointed to uh, the board by a Democratic governor, Pat Quinn, gave $1,000 to the Sangamon County Republican Foundation. All right, here's my question. This is why the Demo my beloved Democrats always lose, D. This is what I saw. The guy was appointed by a Democrat, and he gives the money to the Republicans. I don't believe you can name one Republican in this country appointed by a Republican who then turned around and gave money to the Democrats. I know right now as we speak, Frank is Frank doing this. He's going to gonna prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Frank. I, I stand by that. And then finally, Ramirez, who was appointed by Bruce Rauner. Oh, wait. You know what? Frank, look no further. I've been proven wrong on my own show in the next paragraph. <laughs> yeah, it only took about a minute. <laughs> He was appointed by Rauner. He Yay gave two for our teachers. <laughs> Yay for our teachers. I was proven wrong. He gave two hundred dollars to Michael Rodriguez's campaign of the twenty second ward. All of them in Michael Rodriguez's Democrat. I just proved myself wrong. I guess Republicans are dumb too. I just say, guys, don't give money. They put you on a board. Don't give money. See, here's the thing. They always go in Illinois. You have to pass new laws to to protect us from corruption. No, we all know it's not right. If you're on a state board, you should get out of the business of giving money to politicians. You're, if you're on a board that's regulating a very controversial industry uh, that depends on government uh, assistance or government uh, laws and rules and regulatory uh, matters, don't give them money. Duh. But no, mm -mm -mm. <laughs> give the money. He felt compelled. There was something about Michael Rodriguez that Ramirez really, really liked. He's nice, a <laughs> nice guy. Illinois politicians, I don't know. All right, and making her second appearance on Friday's Ben Jarofsky Show local news segment, it's Pritzker spokeswoman Jordan Abadea. Oh, wow. Here's the Love quote. Jordan. She's hustling this week. Here's the quote from Abadea. Quote, the Illinois Horse Racing Act states that no member of the board shall engage in any political activity. Three sitting members of the Illinois Racing Board made political contributions. As a result, they were asked to resign, and each has submitted a letter of resignation. All right. Well, you, you, guys, just common sense. But that's, see, that's Illinois. I guess you have to pass a rule for absolutely everything because there's something about, you know, I don't even know if it's fair to say Illinois. Maybe it's just something about human nature. If you're not specifically told not to do it, you're going to try to get away with it. So they felt compelled to give money to politicians who uh, 
have a hand in overseeing the entity. What? Why should I be surprised? You got uh, Ed Burke for years and years and years overseeing absolutely every contract that came through the finance committee. And yet somehow or other, we thought it was okay that he would have a property tax appeal business uh, in which many of the same people who were benefiting uh, from his approval of city contracts, et cetera, could turn to him uh, for assistance. So I guess you got to be really specific with the politicians in this state. All right. Now, finally, uh, one more story here, and it'd be great to get Ramon. Oh, we're, well, we're we talking about this one with Ramon Hussein. Are you <laughs> there, kidding me? There's a war on words happening in the city of Chicago. After a board of education vote of five to two, Chicago public schools will no longer observe Columbus Day. On October 12th, 2020, it will now be known as Indigenous People Day. CPS is working to develop new curriculum to more accurately tell the history of Native American cultures. And since this announcement, a handful of Chicago elected officials are pretty pissed. Mm -hmm. The city council's two Italian-American aldermen spoke up. Alderman Nick Spazzato of the 38th Ward was so livid, he was, quote, ready to go to war. Here's more from Spazzato. Quote, go ahead and have your damn indigenous people's day. Just don't have it on Columbus Day. They're taking Columbus Day away. I'm an Italian-American. He found America. They want to say he didn't. They want to say he did bad things. You know how many people were on those three ships when he came here? 90! You think he could do the things they're claiming that he did with 90 people? Alderman Anthony Napolitano of Benwich Ward. 44. Come on. What? 41st Ward. He's still got it, guys. <laughs> still a dork. Uh, I once gave uh, Napolitano a lesson on tips. Speaking of dorks. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I think I've given Spazzato a few lessons on tips. Alderman uh, Anthony Napolitano, 41st Ward, uh, called the change, quote, absolutely ridiculous. He said, quote, if you want to have Indigenous Peoples Day, great. I'll celebrate it with you. Pick a day. But just not this day. But to have to get rid of Columbus Day for it is a slap in the Italian-Americans' faces. Well, I'd love to hear what Ramon Hussein has to say about this. Uh, and I'll just uh, say this very briefly before we go to break and then bring Ramon on. Hey, Nick, you know I love you dearly, man. But to quote Mayor Rahm, Take a chill pill, baby. <laughs> no, let's take a chill pill, man. Oh, well, I, I you know, to paraphrase Mayor Rom. Take a chill pill, baby. Take a chill pill, baby. A baby. Horrible thing. For Come on, man. I know Nick Spazzato for a long, long time, but that that's called a mountain out of a molehill. You know what? You want to name, uh, have a day for great Italians? Pick, a, pick someone other than Columbus. Most people don't even know Columbus is Italian. I don't know. I, you know what? I'm not Italian. And I'm not a Native American, so I really don't, like, you know, I'm not in this fight, but I just think if anybody takes a look at American history and what the settlers have done to Native Americans, uh, it might be a good idea to just like, acknowledge it in some way or another and and uh, just I'm throwing that out there as an idea, America, like where we are right now, who used to live here, that kind of thing. Uh, just don't rub it in their faces again. And like like the name of the team in Washington. I refuse to say the name of the team in Washington, a certain <laughs> football team. Ramona's like thinking she's not a big football fan, but I think I you know, know the name of that team. So I'm just saying, Nick, you know I love you dearly, man, but take a chill pill. All right, everybody. Of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. And more on Columbus Day Gate. <laughs> But sometimes Even editing. I didn't think of that. Columbus Day Gate. You should do it. Uh, more of that on the way. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take a chill pill, baby. We'll be right back. <laughs> Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Ben, stop talking about the Bulls. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, <laughs> live from the Chicago Sun-Times. I love it when he does that. <laughs> we were not talking about, not that there's anything wrong with talking about the Bulls, uh, but Ramana is saying that is not one of her uh, strengths, talking about the Bulls. Um, God, there's so many things to talk about with you today, Ramana. All, all week long, I've been sending you clips of Donald Trump's visit to India uh, and just awaiting your thoughts on uh, his visit and whether that... Uh, Columbus brought- thought he was going to India. And then you reminded me of that. Yeah. Uh, it all comes together. <laughs> Hence he the thought name he Indi- was in India. <laughs> so he wasn't the greatest of geographers, all right? Hey, MapQuest wasn't around. Uh, <laughs> and who am I to say? i still not quite sure where Rockford is on the map, so uh, I have issues. What's your general thoughts about this flap? I have to say, as someone who's not Italian or Native American, mm-hmm. I... On one hand, I can understand the Indigenous Peoples Day. And I was telling someone yesterday in the office, a lot of people, whenever Columbus Day is happens, the day of, Indigenous Peoples Day starts trending on Twitter. So a lot of people feel, you know, strongly about what Columbus did and the atrocities tied to the case. So I understand that. I know. And then on the other hand, I want to tell you, when I was younger, I loved Columbus Day because it was a day off of school. So I always thought it was really fun. And I, as I got older, I had no idea that Columbus was Italian. I'm just letting you know, because I, then I would see the parades. I'd be like, why are there Italian American flags? And it just, it just didn't, I don't know. I guess I hear the word Columbus and I don't think it sounds Italian. So as a kid, I didn't really put two and two together. Mm -hmm. And Columbus Day never really had a tie in to Italian American pride when I was younger. Although I went to a mostly Jewish school, so maybe I would that would have gone over my head. Grammar so. school or high school? Grammar school and high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there were. I'm not saying there weren't any Italians, but it was mostly Jewish kids, and you know there are other ethnic groups too. But that was a, a pretty big population, so I really didn't know that much about Columbus Columbus Day and the Italian American pride. And, you know, I understand Italian-American pride, too. You know, there's, you know, there was a lot, you know, there's still a lot of stereotypes of Italian-Americans being in the mob. And I know whenever shows come out, a lot of Italian-American groups are angered. But I just find it interesting. I don't know. You know, the Columbus Day Parade yesterday we're talking about in the newsroom, they said that it's gotten a lot smaller Mm. in the last few years. The participants have gotten a lot smaller. And I guess... I, I never understood the, I mean, I, I understand it now, but I'm just saying, um, I think there's a lot of Italian American pride and I think that's why these aldermen 
are going off. And like you said about the chill pill, I mean, it is, they are getting, well, Nick Spazato is very passionate right now. My good friend, Nick. Always, I'm and, not throwing you under a bus, Nick. I'm just saying, man. Come on. But but I think, I think um, you know, when we were younger, when I was younger, I was born in the 70s. We really didn't talk that much about, you know, we talked about when Thanksgiving came around, like, you know, some pe- some kids in the class would be pilgrims and some kids would be Indians. <laughs> I don't know. Some, some years I'd be the pilgrim, you know, I'd be wearing a <laughs> pilgrim hat. And, you know, of course, some years I'd be the Indian. And I am an Indian. But... Um, you know, and we and we called them Indians at that time. They're Native American. Now we call people who Columbus, you know, saw discovered <laughs> discovered Native Americans. And then I remember in in school we did talk about. Wasn't there some sort of discussion about this guy, another guy, Americo Vespucci? Um, that might have founded America before. Okay. <laughs> so, See, or maybe not, maybe not. But I remember his name came up and I was like, oh, he sounds Italian. So I, I just remember, I mean, there's all these questions about all these historical figures now because we do raise questions and mm-hmm. we do have, you know, there's accountability factored into a lot of these stories. And a lot of stories are, let's face it, they're whitewashed, especially of our quote unquote founding fathers or Christopher Columbus. Um, my husband Mick was pointing out that George Washington's teeth, they were always talked about. And he recently um, came upon an article that said the false teeth that he had were actually taken from slaves. They're pulled out of the mouths of slaves to make his false teeth. And, you know, when we're growing up, George Washington's teeth were all, you know, that I thought was he like, had wooden teeth. There were real teeth that were taken out of um, the mouths of slaves. So, you know, we all talk about George Washington. He's obviously very sanitized for a lot of us. But, you know, we do have a talk. We talk about Thomas Jefferson. He's always been revered. And I know people. He had were not, slaves. Yeah. And he had slaves. And we know that he impregnated one of his slaves. And, and a lot of people say that, oh, it was this love story between him and Sally Hemings. But I think a lot of people would beg to differ and say that, no, he probably just forced her, forced himself on her, right? I I don't think you could fill this room with the number of people say it was a legitimate love story. There may be one person. No, (laughs) maybe not your listeners, but like, yes, like I think there's been movies where they kind of make romanticize it. There was a movie romanticizing the love affair, a love affair between Well, it was more like a love, like wasn't, um, I forgot, uh, there was one, I think Nick Nolte was in it. I think he was Jefferson. You're kidding. How did I miss that? And then I think her name is Dan Dewey Newton. I uh-huh. think she played uh, Sally Hemings. I but, said correct. You know, um, I don't know. I got to remember. But I remember it was more of, I think Gwyneth Paltrow played his wife. And it was more like, oh, you know, less of a. Yeah. Less of a slave and master relationship and more of a like, oh, I love you kind of thing. And and, and a lot of these um Stories have been sanitized. Like, mm. oh, this guy was in love with her. But it, we know the story is a little different. So a lot of people argue whenever <laughs> whenever there's an argument and people talk about these historical figures. They're like, well, you can't pretend that they didn't do anything at all. You know, you, and, you know I know some of these older Americans, you can't erase American history. Nobody's saying that they're going to erase it. They just want to call it a different day. And this is a school board. And Lori Lightfoot earlier today said the city is not going to stop celebrating or not going to be calling it Columbus Day. The last couple of years, the Chicago Public Schools, the reason why this became, I'm sure you talked about this in your show, is became a controversy within the last few days. The Chicago Public School Board yeah. voted uh, five to two yeah. um, in favor of calling Columbus Day Indigenous People Day. Mm. And before they kind of were both, it was like a hyphenated day, Columbus slash Indigenous People Day. Yeah. 
Well, by the way, that that part of the story uh, intrigued me, the five to two vote that shows that democracy, small d democracy is finding its way to the school board. In the old <clears> days, uh, generally, it was a, uh, a unanimous vote. The school board would meet beforehand and they would basically say, what does the mayor want us to do? Yeah. And then uh, they would vote well, that way. Well, so um, <clears throat> Fran Spielman, just a few minutes ago before I came into this office, you know, she's doing a follow up story with Lori Lightfoot saying that um, we are not getting rid of Columbus Day on the city side. So Fran was just looking over my shoulder and uh, Nick Spazzato had just talked to her. She had a piece of paper with scribbles and she said that Nick Spazzato said, oh, I know they made this decision without her, meaning Lori Lightfoot. Uh, And he said if she would reverse the decision that, you know, he said that that would be very, he'd be very grateful if she did that. And then he also said, you know, you can't erase this liberal. He called a liberal CPS board. That's a quote, liberal, unquote, um, can't erase history. So it was something of that nature. So I added that quote in, like those quotes in right before I came in. All right. Uh, I may have to bring Nick back to have this conversation. Although, see, the whole notion of erasing history. I mean, Columbus is a historical figure. Nobody is denying that he was a historical figure. No. The history that has been erased is what happened to Native Americans yes. once settlers came in. That's the history that was erased. So people are saying, let's bring that history. So going back yes. to Sally Hemings, it wasn't like Thomas Jefferson fell in love with Sally Hemings and said, come meet my mom and sit at the table with the family for Thanksgiving dinner. It was like they kept her in the back. So this notion that there was like this love affair between Thomas Jefferson. And Sally, so you talk about it's not erasing history is rewriting history exactly and um i mean i like i said i'm not italian american so i don't know what it feels like to be an italian american i can say that but let's be real italian americans have a lot of heroes in this country you know there's a lot of italian americans who are recognized and i'm not saying columbus should be not recognized and i believe in italian american pride i have indian pride although maybe not much right now, but I have Indian pride. I'm proud of being Indian. So I understand people being proud of being Italian American, but it's not like Columbus is the only Italian American hero out there. I mean, just off the top of my head, Joe DiMaggio. It's like there's so many Italians that have been, Italians are part, unlike groups that I belong to, Italians are kind of seen as part of a larger group and it's not, Italian Americans have been othered, Mm-hmm. a long time ago but they're not othered now so I would, but i understand i understand the italian american pride i'm not yeah. saying i don't hey, understand listen, it at it, all it, but the passion is definitely in interesting sh- for me in chicago there's a tradition of every uh, ethnic groups get something you know that's just the old mayor daily way we actually went before mayor daily mayor kelly when you put together the democratic machine the democratic organization everybody got a little something yeah so um Let's call it Alderman Nick Spazzato Day. That's what I say we should call it. My good friend, <laughs> Alderman Nick Spazzato. All right, let's move on from this discussion. I'm sure this will be raging for a while. Uh, and let's discuss uh, India and uh, Donald yeah. John Trump's visit to India. All week long, I've been sending you clips. <laughs> Trevor uh, Noah clips. Trevor Noah, he's a very funny guy, by the way. And John Oliver. John Oliver, yeah, poor, poor Romana's kid bar- barrage. But I mean, did you see this one? <laughs> no, see? but I sent the one that you sent me today to my siblings, they died laughing. I sent it to Mick too. Which one? The the one where at the end he goes, oh. <laughs> okay, th- folks, you, uh, Romana and I have been, 
by the way, happy anniversary. It's been a year we've been doing this, oh, this show. Happy anniversary yeah, happy to you Happy anniversary guys, to you. you. And Thank you. And, uh, Do I, was, I get a present? Yes. You get a cup right over there. <laughs> but make sure you wash it out oh first. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rob may have <laughs> drunk from it. No, do you like Belvedo cookies? Yeah. You I think that's how you pronounce that. Belvedo? Yeah. I don't uh, know. That, they don't look that good. No, they're delicious. They're <laughs> actually they? very <laughs> good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, take some on your way out and pass it to the uh, editorial oh, writers. Oh, they're like cinnamon. I don't like cinnamon. Oh. Uh, but anyway, from the get-go, uh, Ramana Hussein has been our guest every Friday here on this show, and uh, she's pretty much top five, one of the nicest people uh, in this building. So thank you for everything, and and it's been a year. Thank and, you for uh, having me. Um, and I think it was very early on that you went on a riff. Uh, <laughs> it was just a great riff. I don't, uh, I don't even know what provoked it, but it had to do uh, with probably ups- about hipsters. Was it hipsters? White hipsters. Just you know, upscale white women in America. Uh, <laughs> and Trev- they- yeah, Trevor Noah went on a similar riff. So you take it away right there. Yeah. So Trevor Noah basically talked about actually the very tragic um, things that are happening in India and how Muslims are being targeted um, by the current government, the BJP government. And at the end, uh, Trevor Noah in this clip that Ben sent me earlier today said, I'm worried because I think this is going to you know, affect what's happening in this country. So you think he's going to say something about Trump, but he goes, well, we all know in this country, rich white women like anything Indian. And then he talked about how they're going to take up, take upon like beating people up that don't look like them and say how refreshing it is like yoga. So it, it there's actually been papers about how yoga has been taken over from Indians and it is now in the hands of white women who've commodified it to be their own. It's really funny. There's been actual papers on it written by Indian American people my age. Do you practice so, yoga? Uh, you know, I've, t- I've taken, I was telling, uh, my sister-in-law does yoga. She's, she's a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have taken a yoga class. I think yoga is great. I mean, but we all, Indian people always make fun of like, if you ever walk by a yoga class, you'll not see anybody Indian in there. It will all be white women <laughs> wearing about- like um, these really overpriced yoga pants. Uh-huh. So like, so we always laugh about it because, you know, in, in Indians have been doing this for thousands of years. <laughs> And now that, you know, yeah. white women are doing it, it's considered really cool. And we're like, yeah, people have been in yoga for a while. I remember when I was younger, there was a show on PBS. It was like the one woman, white woman who did yoga. This one, it was like only one white Wait, woman. Wait, did they call it that? The one white woman who does <laughs> no, yoga? No, but it was really funny because at that time, it was a very nerdy PBS kind of thing. And I remember we'd laugh at it. We're like, oh, but we're just but, like, she's doing yoga. And I've done yoga. Actually, Modi has really emphasized Do you know Ben does yoga. yoga? Do you? I didn't know that. Well... Uh, okay, can I? This is confession time. Uh, I, I'm not sure w- what I do could be really <laughs> called yoga, and I, I'm embarrassed to do it in public. So, but every night I do uh, these stretches. So, yes, every night. Obsessively. And it's not, it's it kind of hipsters. It's not even just necessarily white. I guess most hipsters are white, but there's also this thing called Haldidud that our moms used, mm-hmm. you know, that a lot of Indians people, Indian people made. But like now we like walk by like a trendy coffee shop and it says turmeric. It's called like, it's called, they call it something, magic milk or something. And we're like, that's called Haldidud. You know, everybody, like every Indian person's like, oh my God, they're calling <laughs> it this now. And they're, so we, we, we've been Indian people. You're, pe- you're cool. Yeah. You we're just, 
No, but it's like we've been cool for a long time, but you guys made fun of us. And now that you can, now you're doing it, it's cool. Like, you know, when I was younger, I used, my mommy would put the henna on my hands and Uh like kids were like, ew, what's that? And then the same kinds of people are hanging out at these music festivals, dancing around with bindis and the stuff on, you know, the henna on their hands. So it makes Indian people very angry. They're like, yeah. You were making fun of us, you know, people that look like you, like many years ago. Now that you're doing it, it's all cool. So it, we always make fun of that. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, but the, it, the situation in India is very terrible right now. Yeah, so let's, I was I'll actually, I was actually supposed to be in India. Um, I had planned to go to India because uh, Mick wants to go to India, and I only have two aunts left from my dad's side, and mm-hmm. I want Mick to meet them because they're the only siblings left of my father. So I had planned to go there, and my mom wants to be there when. My husband goes there for the first time just to make sure everything's okay. For <laughs> what do they think they're going to do? No, because, no, she doesn't think anything's going to happen to him. But it's like we, my dad come came from a really rural village. Uh-huh. Like I'm going to have to tell Mick how to use a squat toilet. And uh, my mom is also from not that big of a town. And I wanted him to see where we would go. Because my parents aren't from huge cities. And my parents want the, wanted us to know where he came from. My dad was the only one who was educated in his family. So there's electricity in, in the town where my dad's from. But it's like always off. So it's like we were used to like nothing American around us. And so my mom just wants to go. When, she just wants to be there when we go. We, I mean, I'm going to take Mick to like many historical sites if we plan to go. But we do want to go to the smaller towns where my parents are from. Wait, so you were so supposed to go? We right? were supposed to go. We had planned to go in February. And my mom was like, I'm so scared. You mm-hmm. know, we're Muslim. So our names are very Muslim. And then when I sign up for the visa, I have to write that we're journalists. So it would probably be a little... I've been to India also when it's been pretty... Like when there's been tension. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to India right after the um, mosque was destroyed in 1990. Two ninety three, mm-hmm. and I've been there right after the Mumbai terrorist attack. So mm-hmm. I've seen kind of the anti-Muslim sentiment around these incidents, like get really tense. And so I was thinking, telling my mom, I'm like, well, we're not going to be in the city. We're going to, but my mom was like, I feel like my my cousins for the first time told my mom, do not come right now. It's just really, it's well, really why dangerous. Why don't you go into it a little bit? Tell folks. Um, BJ, the, the BJP is the government, the ruling party in, well, the ruling government in India. Narendra Modi is basically seen as a Trump-like figure. Um, Trump was, as you saw, there was people waiting outside the stadium to see Trump. Modi is very popular, um, and Trump is very popular too. Um, but not by the people who, who are who are my people, Muslims. Um, and for the most part, don't favor Modi because um, a lot of his laws, um, he has this law that's called um, CAA. I think it's called the CAA. I might be using the wrong abbreviation. It's basically grants refugee status to all these people in, in who are coming to India, you know, because they're being persecuted in their own countries. But basically, the the bill says that everybody but Muslims or anybody who follows Islam mm-hmm. is granted refugee status. So what that means is people who've been in India for years, and if they can't produce their citizen papers, and people in the village don't necessarily have these papers, they can immediately be you know, said that you're a foreigner, and then they put them, there's already a camp set up. So, And th- most of these people who are targeted are Muslims. And so there's a lot of people protesting this bill, um, Muslims, Hindus, and other religions included. And they've been in the streets for a long time, for the last few days. And while Donald Trump was there, 
the um you know a lot of muslim neighborhoods were set on fire and i think the death toll is close to 40 or is 40 and a, a hundred i think close to 200 or a little over 200 people have been injured so this is while trump was there while trump was trying to talk hindi and <laughs> not eating vegetarian food which i thought was pretty funny because the right-wing government in india or a lot of people who are right-wing when they've there's been killings of muslims if they're quote-unquote suspected of eating beef because we know that cows are revered in in the hindu religion so there have been people who have been killed for suspected to be eating beef so and so donald trump loves meat yeah. and he loves steak and so apparently like there's been articles about how his cabinet or people who you know work for trump they're worried about what he was going to eat but I was telling Mick, my husband, I was like, India's changed since the 90s, like in the big cities. Like there's a lot of American restaurants. Fine. He's not going to get beef, but he'll get lamb. He'll be fine. Somebody but, will find but, a piece of meat for him. But Modi's obviously is only going to give him vegetarian food. And I read somewhere that he did not eat any of the vegetarian yeah. food. And then we we're laughing because one of my friends found like the menu for one of the events. And it was like a broccoli samosa. It and like samosas are, I don't know if anybody knows what, I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners know what a samosa is. You know what a samosa is, right? Mm -hmm. So usually they're made out of meat. My family, everybody in my family likes it with meat, but I like it with potatoes, which is lucky for my husband. So my mom always makes me potato ones. Makes Mixed vegetarian. vegetarian. He's vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So whenever people see us together, they're like, oh, you must be vegetarian. I'm like, no, I'm yeah. Muslim. I eat, I've been eating meat. I eat meat. I go, the white guy's a vegetarian. <laughs> but so, then the white guy drinks. So yeah, there so you like, go. I don't know. So then I'm like. And does yoga. Yeah. No, he, Just make he, actually, yoga? he actually said he used to do yoga in high school because his teacher like. Yeah. Did. Well, I was telling you. So when we were, you were stretching. asking. You were asking. <laughs> yoga is actually very good for you. And I have yeah. taken yoga classes. But when I've taken yoga classes, I start laughing really, really hard because because, you know, you have these yoga instructors using these words and, you know, it's like they're yeah. just saying like namaste, for example, or like namaste. And then I'm like, they're just saying hi. They're trying to make it sound like it's some sort yeah. of exotic word. I'm like, it just means hi. Actually, NPR did a story on this. An Indian person did a story on how Americans or people who do yoga totally misuse it. And so when me and my younger sister were taking it with another Indian friend and she was taking it very seriously, we're just laughing the whole time. And then they, during the yoga session, they hit a triangle and you know, they're like, Oh, feel like you're <laughs> cheap. And then me and my sister started laughing yeah. and she took a hot, my younger sister took a hot yoga class once wow. with another Indian friend. That's, that's... And so she told me she had a group on. So she told me that they, they would, laugh at the whole thing because this guy was so pretentious when he was leading the class yeah. and then he eventually told them that they could not sit together or they could not do their yoga exercises together because he said they were ruin ruining the, <laughs> the ambiance of the class it was just really funny man that sounds like what the geometry teacher did to me back in high school he made me and steve chickowitz move now you go over there yeah. and you and no, i was german not geometry so it was anyway. it was pretty funny i mean yoga's but anyway. getting real popular it's even downstate now so yeah <laughs> Modi has actually made yoga very popular. Like he's actually reinstated, which is good. Yoga is good. I have nothing. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with the anti-Muslim. Yeah, that's uh, the problematic <laughs> so, part yeah. of so the Trump, whole thing. Trump, you know, went and this all this like bloodshed and mayhem is going on. Meanwhile, he's talking about Bollywood and how great India is and how um, Modi is like tolerant of minorities and and i think later he when he came back to the united states he's like well that's india's problem or something like that or that's like he was just kind of brushing it off but anyway oh when they were, we were talking about the samosas so there was a broccoli samosa my friend's like who the hell makes broccoli samosas and then my mick was like 
Mick happened to be there when me and my mom and sister were talking, my younger sister were talking about it. And he's like, well, you got to understand Indian culture is getting really popular. So people are going to try different things. And my mom's like, you know what she said? She goes, Indian people don't like broccoli. Whoa, <laughs> a proclamation. <laughs> she was telling Mick that a samosa with broccoli is not going to taste good. Sorry. So oh, funny. man, poor Mick. <laughs> a proclamation. <laughs> a definitive statement. But they gave I'm sure the, there's some Indian person somewhere that likes somewhere, broccoli. Somewhere does. But yeah, most I've never seen broccoli in India. Well, that's one Indians thing I like sh- veg- My mom makes vegetables for Mick all the time. I, I so. share. I'm, I just <laughs> do not like broccoli. I mean, Mick, you, Mick makes me eat broccoli. Oh, just do not like broccoli. By the way, uh, if I must say so, uh, um, the aforementioned Mick, I just have to say this. As I was coming in today, I heard Mick on uh, WBEZ, and we talk about him a lot uh, on this show as Ramana and his role as Ramana's husband. Uh, He's Mr. Hussein. That's what people call yeah, him. Yeah, Mr. Hussein. But you, when you hear, we, it's a whole different trip to hear him on WBEZ. Well, um, uh, uh. <laughs> suddenly he's an expert on everything. And, well, love Mick Dunkey, one of my dearest friends, but I love to tease him. Well, what was he doing? What was he talking about? They were about? talking about the same thing we, we were talking about. What did about he say thing? about Columbus Day? You know, Mick, what did Mick say? It was very, it was typical Mick. It was like, well, on the one hand, this, on the other hand, that. He probably, he probably feels like, just like me, like as a journalist, like we're trying to, trying to see both sides yeah. and be objective. Listen, I, I don't have a problem with I'm, indigenous people. Today. I, I can tell you that. Listen, th- we've had this conversation many times. I've had this conversation with Mick many times. Uh, and there's the public role that you have to play when you're a quote unquote working journalist. And that's a public role where you don't make a, uh, an opinion. You phrase it as critics say. Yeah, that's okay. what I said. Yeah, I, critics say. <laughs> and But I know Mick Dumpke and I know Ramana Hussain. And let me tell you, they're human beings. They have opinions. Journalists tend to have very strong opinions. Yes. And a lot of journalists in, in, the, in the Sun-Times, journalists at the Sun-Times, I walk past them in the hallway. They give me an earful. Every, you know, so everybody has an opinion. No, journalists are very opinionated. Yes, they are. And I think um, one of the things that's interesting, I, I have talked to younger journalists these days, and I think it's objectivity is very important, but... Let's pretend that what who we are is not going to influence what we report on or think about. I, I think, I mean, I don't think like a white guy. I don't think like a white person in general. I mean, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend that what ha- is happening in India as a Muslim person. I'm like, well, let's look at it at both sides. Both sides. No, but here's uh, the deal. Here's but you the, know, there's both you're sides. You're not going to pretend. That, and you've made this clear in the the year you we've been having these conversations, and. You, I've written columns about being Muslim, so... No, but you make yeah. it clear, like, you're not going to... Like, what Donald Trump does, Donald Trump going to India and saying that uh, Modi is like a uh, a symbol of brotherhood, which is completely not true. Meanwhile, I just want to point this out. Bernie Sanders is under attack for being too... Uh, like cozying up too much with Fidel Castro, who's been dead for how many years and authority. But Donald Trump's free to go to India and they come back. Anyway, so that strikes yeah, you in that's a way. What, that's, what, that's what I have been talking about. I mean, I'm not going to say who I'm, who I'm going to vote for. No, I always I, <laughs> You won't even say who your top three choices are. I won't. But it's, like, it's interesting because I, I was talking to my husband again. We have heated discussions and I won't say why, but um, I just said that one time, you know, he's like, well, you know, this, you know, Americans will see Americans. I don't know what Americans means. You know what I mean? But what does American mean? You know, they're going to look at Bernie Sanders saying something, going to Moscow for his honeymoon and thinking that's weird. 
as someone who's gone to India since I was a little kid, when, it, you know, we're only the only people who went to India were hippies. It's like, I don't know, going to Russia or the former Soviet Union is not that weird to me. Or going to Cuba is not that weird to me. But, you know, for people... And, and a lot of like, you know, as people who are Muslims are like, I love how nobody thinks that Donald Trump going to India and saying all this stuff, it's not a bigger news story or that's not criticized because Muslims are the victims here. Could you imagine if it was the other way around, if Muslims are the ones who are butchering people in the streets? He wouldn't or have the gone. Ones, he wouldn't have gone. And if he did, that would have been a news story saying yes. that he is supporting. So I've said this too. I think that when Muslims are victims because we've been vilified so much, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, oh, yawn. I, I, I know you said Americans don't care about India that much, but I think if it was the other way around and the Muslims were the ones persecuting minorities, which does happen in some Muslim countries, it would have been, oh, look at these crazy Muslim I intolerant people. I still believe Americans wouldn't care that much. Let's be honest. If uh, they were Christian they, Indians, yes, they would. There's Christians in India too. Yeah, so maybe. I'm just saying maybe. that- maybe. Uh, well, there's th been so many stories. There was a story in Pakistan who, like, this Christian woman was mm -hmm. not given water by these group of Muslim women. And I forgot what happened in the case. It was a huge news story. Yeah. So I, I'm it, just saying but that. But you're a news junkie. I'm going to point something out to you. You're a news <laughs> and junkie. And I do follow something. And you junkie. follow things. And so when and the, you, you have a, a, a journalist's tendency. When you see something in the news, and I know this because I know so many journalists, you think everybody knows it. And I'm just going to break it down to you. Just because it's in a newspaper doesn't mean everybody. In fact, probably the best place to put something if you don't want people to pay attention to it. I hate saying what? this. Isn't a newspaper because <laughs> I'm the only one who subscribes to these things. Well, yeah, are. most people don't read the newspaper. Most people look at, you know, younger people just look at their Twitter feed. That's right. So what you're saying is absolutely true in terms of if there's a political party that's beaming out articles about how Muslims are persecuting Christians, people who get those emails, you're absolutely correct. Will but it be, wouldn't be a bigger deal. I just think... I, I agree with you on that point, but like, I don't, example, I just there don't was, think it'd be there as was a kill. There was a killing and there were some, uh, some people, guy who was shooting people in Germany a couple of days ago. I forgot. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't like, you know, a brown person or someone related to Islam. And... If it's like one person You're that's right. killed, it's a valid point. like, you know, it's like, oh, this Muslim guy killed someone in London and it's from it was a, news. It's a scary st if it's story. Like a, it was a right winger and he was and mayors actually in Germany are concerned if they speak up against the new arising right, uh, the fascistic yeah. right. There is. I'm just saying as someone of color and someone who is Muslim, I've seen the way things are covered or where, where they're placed. And I've, t I've told this to the guys on the copy desk. I'm like, how come that's not a front page story? And what do they tell you? <laughs> they go, because like once there was a, a quote unquote terrorist attack in Brussels and it was the most, they're like, well, you know, people know Europe. And I go, you know what? When there's terrorist attacks in Pakistan, it doesn't make front page news. And I can tell you there's more Pakistanis in Chicago than people from Brussels. Yeah. All right. And, fair enough. Before uh, I bring Monica sorry, Gordon <laughs> on, uh, my next guest, I need to get Ramana's recommendations. Uh, um, and obviously, you're not going to be recommending yoga at any studios. No, in I like I, I I do I do recommend yoga. I don't think there's anything no, wrong any with studios. In I don't Chicago. think there's anything wrong with white women doing yoga. <laughs> My sister-in-law is white, and she like. Can we yoga. have a clarification? But a clarification for Romana. It's just when people. Um, it's like it becomes popularized once white people do it. That's what pisses yeah, no. a lot of. By the way, and I urge out. everybody. We should put out the the Trevor Noah bit that he did, which I sent Romana yeah, this morning. It's, it's very so funny because he starts imitating. He's so. That guy is really funny because with accents, accents. He does white women very well. And he does white, and he does an Indian accent. I mean, he does everything. You know? he, he's, he's, from South, he's from South Africa, so there's a lot of Indians in South Africa. So I bet he's 
you know, had enough exposure yeah. with Indian people. So he does, he understands the culture. So anyway, my recommendation this week, I don't know, I finished uh, the Malcolm X documentary, which I think is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and On Netflix. Um, yeah, and Malcolm X is another example of American history and how we never really learned about Malcolm X until we got older as kids. Oh, I remember so, an article in the Sun Times so, that was very upsetting to me years ago. Where uh, it was an article criticizing <laughs> whoever the the person running Cook County Jail was at the time because they were giving Malcolm X's autobiography. They probably thought it was too militant. Yeah, they thought yeah. it was too. Mil- I'm like, this is a story about a trans- man's transformation. He went to prison and he came out like a, a wise man. You know, he read, spent all his time in prison. So, did you start the documentary? No, I haven't started. Oh, you have to watch it. I mean, there's I some footage to- that. I- it's just like you watch it. And I mean, I read the book two or three times. I am just, going in the exact opposite. I am watching this absurdist comic book uh, show on uh, Hunter? Amazon Hunters, which I'm just utterly obsessed with. And it's probably why I'm waking up in the middle of the night because I can't sleep through the night because it's so scary. So I'm going in the opposite. I, I will watch the Malcolm X one, but I'm that's where yeah, I'm at now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to probably, st- we're probably going to start Narcos. Mm. the new i think it's narcos mexico it's a new season we're number three right i think it's four. Oh, four. so there was like narcos season one and two then there's narcos mexico i think and then they kind of focus on how the drug trade because it was first um pablo escobar mm-hmm. focusing on um him and now it's like you know how the drug trade and in all the things that happen in mexico so i'm looking forward to that all right, Ramana Hussein, uh, thanks so much for stopping in every Friday. Thanks for having me. The Ramana Rundown, Monica Gordon on deck. We're going to bring her on when we return. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter.